0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Good morning, everyone. Is anybody excited to be here? Come on, you can do a little bit. Is anybody excited to be here? All right, that's what I'm talking about. I genuinely enjoy waking up on Sunday mornings and coming to church. I get to see all of your faces, I get to hear incredible worship, I get to hear amazing preaching. I absolutely love being here and I'm glad that you're here today and I'm glad that you're excited to be here today. Uh, Let me start out by saying I'm absolutely honored to be able to speak to you. Uh, It's not something that I take lightly and uh, I believe, in fact, every time I pray or or prepare to speak, there's a certain prayer that I pray and it's God I, I ask that obviously you would speak through me utilize my words and what I say to to make a difference in someone's life. But then I also pray for every one of us in here. I pray that God would open up our ears to hear what he's wanting to speak to us. Open up our minds to understand and comprehend what he's trying to tell us. And then open up our hearts and help our hearts to be ready to receive what he's trying to say say to us. So that we can then go out and do it in the world and do it in our community. So that's my prayer for today. I truly believe and hope that something that is said today will make a difference in your life. And uh, you'll see the impact and hear the impact of it. So before we get started, a little something I need to tell you about, I have to warn you about. Uh, if there are ins- any Wednesday night people in here, uh, individuals that come to our Wednesday night service, uh, you'll get a little bit of this. But I talk fast, okay? Just going to give you a heads up. I talk fast. What I want you to do is I want you to listen fast, Okay. Focus, listen, and we'll get through this, okay? I'll get you out of here at a decent time, I promise you. But if you do miss anything, look up behind you. Our sermon notes are available on the mobile app. You can open that up, and a lot of my notes are in there. Now, there's good news and bad news with this, all right? You ready? The bad news is you've got to listen fast. The good news is I'll get you out of here early, okay? You got it? And the Wednesday night crew said amen? Yeah. All right, there we go, okay. All right, here we go. So today... As Pastor Tommy was uh, approached me a couple weeks ago about preparing and, and speaking today, I got excited because uh, I realized it was July 2nd, and I absolutely love July 4th. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. Absolutely love it. Can you believe that our nation is turning 241 years old yeah. on Tuesday? Isn't that awesome? Yes. 240 years of an incredible nation that we get to be a part of. And I love July 4th because it is the middle of summer and it's hot, but... On July 4th, you get to go and you get to have a cookout. And then uh, you not only do you get to cook out, you get to hang out with family. And then uh, you get to cook out some more and have hamburgers and hot dogs and, and watermelon. And then you get fireworks. And then while you're watching the fireworks, you're at a cookout so you can get more hot dogs, hamburgers, watermelon, bluebell ice cream with chocolate syrup. And y'all know where I'm going, right? All right? A couple of, okay, all right. So y'all know what I'm talking about then. But I love 4th of July. In fact, fireworks, one year my brother and I, uh, my my stepbrother and I, we got fireworks. Uh, We had a friend who worked a fireworks stand, so we went to see him, bought a few fireworks. But he gave us this big old bag of fireworks. And we did some absolutely dumb stuff with these fireworks. Uh, We took, like, the black cats, the big roll of black cats, and you put them in an ant mound. And then you light it and watch the ants go everywhere. (laughs) you ever done that? Roman candles. Have you ever shot Roman candles at one another? That is not smart. A o do not do that, okay? Not a good idea, or try to light bottle rockets while you're holding them don't do it, okay, Just trust me. be safe with fireworks there's your your, your public service announcement for the week. all right Be safe with the fireworks on Tuesday. but I love the Fourth of July, but just like so many other holidays we, we're notorious for embracing the the traditions that come along with it and loving the cookouts and the fun and all that kind of stuff. but we, we miss a lot of times we forget the true genuine reason. That we're celebrating the holiday, but uh, July 4th is a special day and it's celebrating our country's birthday and our independence from England and I'm so excited to be able to celebrate that in just a couple of days, but uh, I'm so excited to celebrate it because our nation really is an amazingly blessed nation. We really are. A lot of times, you know, with the chaos that's that's around us, that surrounds us, we kind of forget about it because we're kind of in the midst of it. But I just want to give you a couple of things to help you realize how amazingly blessed we are. There are 196 nations in the world today. The United States of America is the only nation in the world that has had one constitution in the past 240 years. We are the only nation in the world that has had one constitution in the past 240 years. For example, let's hop over to Europe and think about France. France, been around forever. France, in the past 240 years, has had 15 different constitutions. That's 15 different re- revolutions in their country. Poland, seven different constitutions since 1919. Russia, four since 1917. Think about that. We are blessed here in the United States of America, we've been able to survive 240 years with only one constitution and one revolution that was the birth of our great nation. Next, check this out. In uh, the grand scheme of things, the United States of America is a relatively small country. We only hold 4% of the world's population. Think about that. 4% of the world's population. Did you know that the United States of America accounts for 31% of the world's wealth, 4% of the population, 31% of the world's wealth. I don't know about you guys, but that's amazing to think about. Such a small country can produce so much wealth in the world. My reasoning, my thought process, the reason I think it's because, is because we have an amazing God that is looking out for our incredible nation. He has truly blessed our nation. Now, I love history, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. I may start talking fast again because I got a lot of cool historical stuff. If you like history, let me hear an amen. Any amens out there? All right, very good. Y'all ready? Here we go. Check this out. I believe that our country is so blessed because of our godly forefathers. When we think of our forefathers, it's easy for us to think about the few that we've heard in in school or the few that we've seen in the textbooks, you know, uh, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, uh, John Adams. It's easy to default directly to those Individuals, But here's the thing, John Adams was asked who he accredited the birth of our nation to, and he listed off these names. You ready? Here we go. They were Jonathan Mayhew, Samuel Cooper, Charles Chauncey, and George Whitfield. Anybody ever heard of those guys? Any of them? couple? Okay, here's, here's who these guys are. These guys are pastors and preachers during the American Revolution. John Adams, one of our forefathers. One of our forefathers gave credit to preachers and pastors as the the, the the driving force in the birth of our nation. Check this out. John Adams didn't stop. He kept going. He said there are a few more. He said, how about Absalom Jones, Richard Allen, John Morant, Lemuel Hayes, and Harry Hoosier. Anybody ever heard of any of those? You know who those guys are? Those are African-American preachers and pastors during the American Revolution. Our country, our nation was founded... One of our forefathers gave credit to preachers and pastors as the forefathers, the, the the driving force in the birth of our incredible nation. Christian pastors and preachers. How cool is that to think about that? Our country was founded on Christian principles. Amazes me. Check this out. Uh, this little fun side fact. The name Henry Hoosier. The may. The reason it may sound familiar is because Indiana is basically named after him. How crazy would it be for Indiana's to really know that they were named after an African American American evangelist? Wouldn't that be kind of crazy? Congress, check this out. In in 1774, the original meeting of the Continental Congress had a prayer meeting to start out their their session together. Their session together, their prayer meeting didn't last for five minutes, ten minutes, not even thirty minutes. The opening prayer. And the Continental Congress in 1774 lasted two hours. A two-hour prayer meeting by our Congress, by the Congress of the United States of America. Think about that. Two-hour prayer meeting. John Adams, after the prayer meeting, he goes home, he goes to his his room and begins to pen a letter to his wife, Abigail. This is what he said. He said that the Continental Congress has instituted a uh, a congressional fast. Congress... Asked the United States of America, the people of the United States of America, to pray and fast for our American Revolution. In his quote, in his letter to Abigail, he says, millions will be upon their knees at once before their great Creator, imploring His forgiveness and blessings, His smiles on American counsel and arms." This 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 next statement blew, it blew my mind when I read it. Check this out. Congress called. 15 prayer proclamations throughout the the, the duration of the American Revolution. 15 times our United States Congress called the United States of America, the people of the United States of America, to prayer. John Adams, six weeks later, he says, It appears to me the eternal son of God is operating powerful against the British nation. And here's why. Because the military during the American Revolution of the United States of America was not this great military. It was shopkeepers, it was teachers, it was farmers who went into their house, went above their mantle, grabbed their hunting gun, and went out to fight the greatest military in the world during that time. Not only did the United States not have military, they didn't even have a navy. But yet somehow... United States of America was able to conquer to to to, to conquer two man of war ships, two British man of war ships. That's why John Adams pinned that to his wife. He said, "I don't get it. It doesn't make sense." But I believe that God is on the side of the American people, fighting for us and fighting with us. And then John Adams, prior to his death, made this statement. He said, "The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence." were the general principles of Christianity. Think about that. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. This nation, the United States of America, was founded on Christian principles. Check this out. In 1782, the first ever English Bible printed in America was not printed by a pastor or a preacher or a church or even a Bible association, a Bible ministry. No, the first English Bible in the United States of America was printed by Congress. Congress, the United States Congress printed the first Bible in America, English Bible in America. And there's a quote. You can go to the Congress records today and look at this quote. This is the quote from Congress about this Bible. It is a neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for use in schools. United States Congress Said this. This is a quote from an actual congressional session, a neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for use in schools. In 1963, when, when prayer was taken out, there was this idea and this concept that our forefathers didn't want Christian Christianity in school. But here's direct proof yes, that our nation was founded on Christian principles and that our children are supposed to be taught the Christian principles in schools. But why don't we know all this? Why isn't all this taught to us? Why why don't we hear about this in, in, in our textbooks or in our schools? And I believe it's because current culture is determined to counteract any of this Christian truth. In fact, you read newspapers, the LA Times posted an article back in nineteen ninety-five called Americans America's Unchristian Beginnings. The tagline Founding fathers, deists who reject the divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Sun Herald posted another article, said authors of the declaration were the enemies of Christ. And social, our, our culture is trying to take this beautiful truth and distort it and blind us from being able to see how amazing and how beautiful our incredible nation is that was founded on Christian principles. But I love this. This this makes me so happy. So these, these newspaper articles, they take this idea and this concept that America wasn't founded on Christianity. But then we find that in the Declaration of Independence, of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, 29 of them held seminary or Bible school degrees. More than half, more than half of the signers of the Declaration of Independence had seminary or Bible school degrees. Men like John Witherspoon, who was the greatest evangelist of his generation. Benjamin Rush, who Adam, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson said he was one of the three most influential individuals in the forming of our nation. He was the father of American medicine. Uh, He was a civil rights activist. He started the Sunday school movement in America. If you enjoyed Sunday school as a child, it was because Benjamin Rush started the Sunday school movement in America. And he was the first to mass produce the Bible in the United States. Or how about Roger Sherman, who was the father of the electoral college and the bicameral system here in the United States. He was a published theologian. But we don't hear about these forefathers. Many times we only hear about the forefathers, the two forefathers who were the least religious in the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Culture is trying to hide from us the fact, the beautiful fact that we are a Christian nation at our core and we were founded on Christian principles. And we have a responsibility, church, as Christians to continue, to continue this idea, this concept, this mindset that our nation is a Christian nation. In fact, Reverend Matthias Burnett, was addressing the, the Connecticut legislation in a room similar to this, with the elected officials on the floor and the citizens up in the balcony. And after he was done praying for and, and speaking to the elected officials, he looked up to the citizens and he said, To God and posterity, you are accountable for your rights and rulers. He said, You citizens are responsible to vote, you are responsible for the rights and rulers. And then he went on to say, he said, let not your children have reason to curse you for giving up those rights and prostrating those institutions which your fathers delivered to you. We have a responsibility, church. We have a spo- responsibility, Christians, yes, to keep our nation focused on the beautiful, beautiful fact that we are a God-fearing Christian nation. Yes, sir. So I love statistics. I know I've thrown out a couple at you. I may throw out a couple more. I love statistics. But when I read the statistic, it really hurt. It it broke my heart. 45% of Christians are not registered to vote. 45% of proclaiming Christians are not registered to vote. And here's what makes it even worse. Of the 55% that are registered to vote, half do not vote. 27.5% of Christians vote, it's our responsibility to make a difference in our nation. And we're not even voting. We have to vote. So how do we do this? How how do we be an example? How do we continue to spread this beautiful gospel in our culture, in our world today? As I was thinking and preparing about today, one story stuck out of my mind. One story just kind of stuck with me. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And it's the story of Daniel, okay? Okay. Imagine with me for just a second that your name is Daniel and that you have been raised worshiping the one true living God. And uh, you've been raised worshiping him. You know all about him. It's part of who you are. It's your culture. And all of a sudden, your homeland gets invaded by a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, time out here. I'm going to butcher King Nebuchadnezzar today. So we're going to call him King Neb. You guys okay with that? King Neb? Okay. King Neb, the king of the Babylonians, walks in and, and conquers Daniel's homeland. What does King Nebuchadnezzar do? King Nebuchadnezzar takes the best and the brightest youths of the nations that he conquers. In fact, in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3-4, through four, you can find it in your mobile app, the, the notes, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, parents, if you're having kids, please don't name your child Ashpenaz. I'm not sure what that was all about. But the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families, Who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Here's what's important. Verse 4. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Now, Ao, put yourself in his shoes, all right? You're lined up, and you think you're strong, healthy, good-looking young man. And all of a sudden, the king's guy comes walking by and says, nah, your eyebrows are a little too bushy. Uh, Nah, your ears are a little too big. Definitely not you. You're redhead, you have freckles, you have a belly, and you can't even grow a beard, so not happening. Thank the Lord, somebody thought I was strong and good looking. I love you, Catherine. But then he continued, as uh, King Nab continued talking, he said, Make sure they are well versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Here's the reason why. First of all, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nab had this amazing. basically farm system of people that he could bring in to have these incredible people serving in his, in his service. But not only that, he wanted to kill the hope and future of the nation that he was invading. If you take the best and brightest youths and start indoctrinating them, you're destroying everything that they've thought, everything that they've, they've learned, and you're changing and destroying the future and hope of that, na- that nation. In fact, Daniel 1, 4, and 5, continuing on, it says, train King Nab talking, he says, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. And the reason that, that I found this story, that I think this story kept sticking out to me, is because it it directly ties and seems so similar to what we're experiencing in society today, in culture, in American culture today our christian american culture has been has been overcome has been invaded by a pervasive and dark culture and is trying to take away our youth. in fact our universities have taken our best and brightest youth and are indoctrinating them i came across this stat and it absolutely broke my heart more than 80 percent of christians deny their faith at college a.o young adults You get to go to college, you get to learn, you get to extend your education, but don't be one of the 80%, be one of the 20%, know who you are in Christ, be firm in who you are. I had one of the young people who was in first service come up to me today and said, so you're giving me permission not to go to college, right? I said, absolutely not, you have to be one of the 20%. But America's America's Christian culture is being conquered by a foreign culture. And our, core, our current culture is not what God had in mind for us and not what our forefathers had in mind for our amazing nation. And so from the story of David, there's two things. There's two things that we can gain that I want to talk to you about as I start to wrap up and, and, and wind down. But there's two things I want to talk to you about that we can gain from the story of Daniel about how to be, how to be, how to extend this Christian culture in our society today. And number one, remember that we are one nation. Everybody say one nation. We are one nation, and here's the thing: I'm not referring to the, the the I'm not referring to America. We are not just Americans, but we are members of a holy nation. We are members of a heavenly nation. Yes, we are bought, We are we are called, and we have been bought, and we are a member of God's heavenly, beautiful nation. Yes, sir. And here's what here's what God says in second. Uh, and excuse me. Here's what's written in Second Corinthians five twenty. Paul's writing. He says we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat sent as a representative from one nation to another. You, my friends, are ambassadors sent by God to earth. Daniel Daniel had the same opportunity to be an ambassador. In fact, in Daniel 1, 17 and 19, he said to these four young men, he's referring to, to Daniel and his friends, Daniel... And his friends gave knowledge, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Verse 19, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel and his friends. God has given Daniel the ability to understand and the knowledge to understand and know who he is, but also given him the ability to dream, to interpret dreams. Daniel was not just a normal individual. Daniel was an amazing man. And you know what? God has given each and every one of us that same opportunity. We are not just normal people. We are a royal priesthood. Yes, we sir. have a, We are spiritual influencers. God has given us the power and authority to make a difference in our society. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen, chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, possession. Yes. that you may declare the praises of Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you, when you, Calvary Church, walk into a hospital room and someone's there hurting and sick, you have the power in you to make a difference. To pray a prayer that can save that individual's life. When you're sitting in your lunchroom at work and there's people that are hurting, that are going through things, God has given you the opportunity, the ability, the power to speak into that individual's life so they can experience true genuine life change. We are God's ambassadors here on earth. You are called, you are chosen, and you have been equipped to do it. Number one, we are a part of God's holy nation. And number two, the second thing we can gain from Daniel is that we are under God's culture. We have to remain under God's culture, under God's direction, under God's guidance. It's so easy, it's so easy today to be swayed by culture. It's all around us. It's everywhere we go. It's so easy to be swayed by culture. And many times we don't even recognize and realize that we have been swayed by culture. But we have a responsibility to remain under God's influence. Colossians 2.8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. King Nebuchadnezzar, when he came to Daniel, when when Daniel came to King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, he gave Ashpenaz specific instructions. He says, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Why? Because King Nebuchadnezzar was, was brilliant. He understood the importance of changing the way an individual thinks. Because if you change the way the individual thinks, you'll change the way that they believe, and then you'll change the way that they behave. King Nebuchadnezzar was changing the way they think, changing the way they believed, and changing the way they behaved. Yes. And our current culture here today is changing the way that we think, it's changing the way that we believe, and it's changing the way that we behave. Yes. We have to be cognitive of this. We have to know and understand and realize what culture is doing to us. It's trying to change the way that we think, the way that we believe, and ultimately, the way that we behave. Yes, right. Culture, the enemy is using culture on a full-fledged attack to destroy our beautiful nation, our beautiful Christian nation. What does culture say? Culture says, promote yourself. Step on the backs of others. Stab others in the back to get what you want. But what does God say? God says, deny yourself. He says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Culture says, consume. Give me all that I can. Like, I need this, I want this, I need this, I need the greatest of this. I got to have the best there is. What does scripture say? Scripture says, Give cheerfully. Culture says, hate those who hurt you. If anybody hurts you, you stab them in the back. You hold grudges against them. You absolutely hate them. But what does scripture say? What does God say? God says, love those who hurt you. Love your enemies. Culture says, pursue things. Give me all that I can. Pursue this. I want this, this, and that. What what does scripture say? Scripture says, pursue God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Culture says, live now. YOLO. Live now. You only live once? Anybody? No? Okay. Yeah, yellow. Scri- culture says live now. You only live once. Do what you can now. Embrace it now. Do what you can now. What does scripture say? Scripture says store up treasures in heaven. In eternity. Where, where, where moth and rust doth, doth not corrupt. That's right. That's what, called, that's what scripture says. Culture says pursue happiness. Pursue happiness whatever you can right here, right now. But scripture says pursue righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Culture is trying to destroy us. We are on attack from a culture, from a dark, perverse culture that is trying to take away our beautiful Christian nation. And we have a responsibility, Christians. We have a responsibility, church, to make a difference in our world. Acts 10, 34, 35 says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him. And does what what is right is acceptable to him. No matter what nation we're a part of, no matter where we've come from, no matter where where we're at, if we're willing to do what is right, we are acceptable to God. And we have an opportunity to do that. How do we do that? How do we stay doing what is right? Stay away from culture, from from the, 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 the ugly culture. How do we stay? We make predetermined resolutions. Everybody say predetermined resolutions. What is that? How does that work? Predetermined resolution is here, right here at Calvary Church, under the influence of the Almighty God. His Spirit is here. He's here speaking to us, leading us. You and I can make predetermined resolutions. We can make predetermined plans and thoughts. If you struggle with gossip, you're, 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 you keep communicating things that you know aren't right. You make a predetermined resolution that I will not speak gossip. When we get in those environments, in those settings, I will not say this stuff. I will speak life into the situation instead. If we're struggling, if, if, if we're struggling with, with with binge sinning and we sit on Netflix and Hulu and watch junk constantly come into our eyes, it's culture trying to think, change the way we think, believe, and behave. And we're constantly watching, watching, watching the stuff that we know is not good. Well, what comes in, what goes in, comes out. And so we make a predetermined resolution. I will not watch this stuff. I will not watch that specific show. I will not watch all night. Unless it's Fixer Upper. You can watch Fixer Upper all night, okay? Because that's a good show. I think I, I'm under the, the, the belief that the number one tool that the enemy is using currently right now in our culture to pull us away from beautiful Christian principles is social media. It's so easy to pull out your phone and scroll and scroll and scroll. And there's nothing you even want to look at. It's weird random videos that you're just looking at. And, and it's, what is it doing? It's changing the way we think. It's changing the way we, we believe, and it's changing the way we behave. And before you know it, you've spent two hours, you've wasted two hours of your time looking at stuff that doesn't even really matter. Instead of utilizing the gifts and talents that God has given you to be an ambassador for Him in our culture, in our American culture today. Make a predetermined resolution. I will not spend so much time on social media. I will limit my time on social media. I will unfollow some people that I don't need to be following. I will do what I need to do. I'm making predetermined resolutions to not allow culture to influence me and take me away from my Christian principles. Finances. If God, if, if God as soon as my bank, my check hits the bank account, the very first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pay my tithe. I've made a predetermined resolution. The very first thing I'm gonna do God, if someone hurts me, if, if someone does something that, that hurts me or, or, or curses me, I make a decision. I make a predetermined resolution that I will not hold a grudge. I will not hold it against them, but instead I will bless them because I know that I will get a greater blessing and I know that they will get a bl- greater blessing if I bless them. We're making predetermined resolutions. And I challenge you today what is your predetermined resolution? What are you going to do? What, what, what are you struggling with? What is culture s- using in your life to influence you and pull you out from under the influence of God? And make a predetermined resolution to not let it happen. In closing today, in closing today, I want to talk about, I want to talk about something because we have this amazing country, this amazing nation, the United States of America, and it seems like there's chaos and turmoil all over the place. Uh, it feels like every now, I, I, it feels like I'm constantly getting notifications on my phone from 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 the news channels that this is happening and that's happening. And this, it seems like so much negative news. And some of us, uh, I, I believe that that some of us may be challenged with the thinking, and the mentality of there's so much negativity. The culture has has consumed Christianity, and Christianity is not the main thing anymore. And wouldn't it be best if we just kind of come to church on Sunday, do our thing, and just sit where we are and come and worship and And stay to ourselves. But I want to challenge you with this. The darker the night, the brighter the light. No matter how dark it is in the United States of America, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how ugly and and, and fearful we may get, we understand that God, we are God's ambassadors. He has given us the tools that we need to shine bright wherever we go. And to be a testimony and a light for Him. Daniel. Daniel. To wrap up, Daniel, God gave Daniel the ability to, inter- to interpret dreams. Daniel continued praying despite being told not to and that he'd be thrown in a lion's den if he did. He kept praying. He kept, he remained who he was. He never lost his sight of God. He remained under the influence of God and he knew he was a part of a heavenly nation. And what happened? In Daniel chapter 4 verse 37, Daniel has just interpreted a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what King Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Oh, Daniel didn't change who he was. He remained a part of the beautiful heavenly nation, and he remained under the influence of God, and because he did, he was able to make a difference, and in a foreign culture, in a foreign land, he was able to change the mind of the king of a foreign land. And so you and I have a responsibility as Christians. It doesn't matter who's in office or who's not in office. Check us out. All throughout scripture, God used wise and unwise rulers. God used righteous and unrighteous rulers to accomplish his will and his plan. No matter who is in office here in the United States of America, God will accomplish his plan and accomplish his will. I am proud to be an American. I love the United States of America. And I will support my country from now until the day I die. I Also want you to know that I serve a heavenly king and his plan reigns supreme no matter what. And so this week as you celebrate July 4th on Tuesday, look at those fireworks and be glad and be proud of our amazing nation. Be proud of our heritage. Be proud of the way that this nation was born and formed. But don't forget to look at just a little bit past. And remember that Jesus Christ is King of all and He reigns supreme over all. If you would stand with me, I would like to pray for you for just a minute as, before we leave. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes and as we pray, I want you to take this opportunity to, to express your gratitude to God, for, first of all for our nation. Express your gratitude to God for for helping us to be formed the way that we are, for blessing our nation and giving us the privilege and opportunity to live here. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you so much. I'm so thankful and appreciative that you allowed me the opportunity to be born here and to live here in the United States of America. It is a blessed nation. It is an absolutely beautiful nation, God. And sometimes we get blinded by the chaos surrounding us. But when we take a step back and look, we're able to stand here today and proclaim your name and talk about you and, and, and live in this beautiful, free nation. God, I thank you for that. And right now I pray for our leaders. I pray for, for the President of the United States. I pray for the members of Congress, all the way down to state and local leaders, God. I pray that you'd give them direction, give them guidance, help them to be able to hear your voice and lead us as a country where you want us to go and the direction that you want us to be. And then, God, I pray that you give us the strength, give us the strength, the power, the determination to be ambassadors for you in this current culture so that we can be a one nation, a part of one heavenly nation under your influence, God. We thank you for it. Right now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to I propose a question to some of you. Some of you may have heard this sermon today and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this nation. I'm glad to be a part of the United States of America. And I'm, I'm glad to know that my nation, this nation was founded on Christian Christian principles and Christian guidelines. And the idea that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and is resurrected. And you may be thinking that, but you think, you know, I've never given my life to Christ. I have never asked Him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I live in this Christian nation, but I've never done it. And if that's you here today, and you've never made that decision, but you would like to make that decision, I encourage you to just raise your hand. Let me see. Let me know. I'd like to see. There we go. I love it. Beautiful. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making that decision. Thank you so much for taking that stand today and saying, I am going to be a Christian. Though culture may be crazy, though society may be crazy, I am God's ambassador here on earth, and I am under his influence. Amen. We thank you for it. All right, God bless you. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Happy 4th of July. Celebrate with your family. Celebrate with your friends. And have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. God bless. Thank you.